it okay if I do this? All right. Minor, what are you saying? All right. It's really great to see the Denton region, sector, family group, house church, I don't know. I've been part of groups by a thousand names over the years, but it's great to see this group here. Uh, I, we've been part of the, uh, or associated with the Dallas Church since 1991 when it started. We were here at the inaugural service, although we weren't members here until 96. And um, there's always been a desire, and there's been disciples in Denton, but I, I, t- I got to tell you, this is the most solid, uh, talented group that has met in Denton as part of our, uh, our fellowship, our church, uh, ever. I believe I, I really do that. I really do say that with sincerity, and I'm uh, hopeful for what I see God doing in this area in, in years to come, as well as in your own lives. I know it's special with so many of you uh, in in uh, education, still in the education, humongous amounts of tuition for that education. <laughs> My daughter says it all the time. So, uh, but. Um, I was sitting there thinking in, in service that that uh, as we were singing, sometimes we come and we worship a spiritual awesome moment, and then there are other times we go, eh. <laughs> you know. And uh, what I what I was reminded is the power of our fellowship isn't just one service; it's a collection of relationships over the many years. Whenever I come to groups like this, I'm reminded of people that I just met today, and I'm reminded of people that I've known for years. I'm sitting there looking at two brothers that we were together with in St. Louis, as well as their wives. Uh, Come to think of it, it was even better being with their wives in St. Louis. Uh, If I remember, right, Bud? (laughs) Bud was a song leader in St. Louis years ago. Uh, So... uh, and then uh, I'm reminded that's, that's what it is to be in the family of God. That we have relationships that come to mean things over many years. And whatever happens in our lives, we just got to remember, God, God says, don't give up. Don't give up because of me and don't give up because of each other. Because stop and think of what you've had. Uh, and uh, it's great to have family and family connections for years. Uh, if, if, we, if we do and are around each other for that long. Uh, Steve and Laura, uh, the Smiths, and I do want to tell you something. I appreciate the brother talking about Steve being well-prepared. He leaned over to me early on, and uh, because of the relationship I have with Steve, I'm free to do this. Um, <laughs> he leaned over and he goes, I just, I just don't feel so prepared today. And I said, I leaned back and I said, well, brother, why don't you just pray that the spirit moves this time? And I think what you heard today, the spirit was moving. That was the impact there. Uh, and we do want to we do want to uh, give honor. What it, whatever matter of experience we have in this discipleship thing, it's the spirit of God that moves in our lives. And sometimes our own experience can get in the way. Uh, when just a little fresh faith of a of a brand new Christian, God can use in amazing ways. I was reminded last week talking to Dante uh, it, we, when we had our service together, and he, we went to Bolivia a few years ago, and 
he, we, he didn't really want to go, but his wife wanted to go. Okay, it's always good to marry up and marry well, even spiritually. And so she persuaded him he needed to go. Well, he wanted to get off work to go, and they were just standing in his way. And he decided he was going to go. And he went, and he came back, and he lost his job. And I remember thinking right then, I don't know if I'd advised him to have done that then. Because I, and, uh, and then he reminded me that he lost his job, and then he got within a month, Within a month, he got another job with a $20,000 raise. God doesn't always work like that, but I think he was honoring the fresh, young faith of someone said, I'm going to put the kingdom. Don't all go quitting your jobs, okay? <laughs> oh, I figured out how to get a raise. <laughs> Don't do that. But anyways, it's just it's great to see different ways that God can move. I got so many thoughts racing through my mind right now. My wife's thinking, move on. Uh, wife... And I know I, I've known some of you a long time, and some of you, you have no idea who I am. But uh, like I said, we've been part of the church a long time here, and my wife Margaret is back here. We live in Grapevine, and we're part of the other part of our region, sector, family group, whatever we are, uh, the central part. And then um, um, our children are Bailey, Gabriel, and then Mallory, our daughter, is right there, Mallory Cooper, who's married to Andy, and they're down in Dallas. But she's here with us today. Because Andy's in Israel. I'll just leave it with that. <laughs> I'm going to do, let's do a little interaction here, okay? Get ready to raise your hand. We're going we're gonna to take pictures of who does what. Okay, I'm going to ask you some, some questions, okay? And I'm going to, it's multiple choice. Who wrote, Lori, just calm down. Yeah, well, what else is new, right? We were together in Wichita. Uh, who wrote the biggest part of the New Testament? Was it A, John, B, Peter, C, Paul, or D, someone else? A, what did I say? John? B, Peter, C, Paul, D, someone else. How many say it was A? John. How many say it was B, Peter? How many say it was C, Paul? How many say it was D, someone else? It was D, someone else. It was Luke. I didn't say who wrote the most books of the New Testament. That was Paul. Ah, tricky. Who wrote the most words or lines of the New Testament? It was Luke. Com the combination of Luke and Acts is the biggest part of the New Testament. So we're going to look at Luke 24 today. So, and I, uh, as Steve likes to say, I'm still using papyri, the old Greek papyri to study here. So pull out your rolls of Greek manuscripts now and turn to Luke chapter 24. Uh, or turn in your electronic device. Um, I, I thought the other day, it, it's harder being up here. You could hear the pages turn, and you knew when most people were there because they, they, you quit hearing the pages turn. Now you just listen for clicks, and I can't hear. So, 
We're going to look at Luke 24 in a second. I got another question for you. Do you know what was the what was the title that Jesus used most often to refer to himself? Does anybody have an idea of that? We're going to let you speak out here. Uh, does anybody have an idea? What was the title Jesus used most often to refer to himself? The Son of Man. Yes. Uh, people called him the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus didn't. He, they'd say, you say that I am. But Jesus called himself the Son of Man. Why? Well, I think Jesus was relating to his humanity but even, even more, he was claiming to be a messianic prophecy fulfillment from the book of Daniel, as well as the book of Ezekiel, where it prophesied about the coming of man. That was a loaded term for him to say, you've heard of the Son of Man? You're thinking about the Son of Man? That's me. What was the title that... Teacher. Think about that for a second. The thing they called Jesus the most, even after his resurrection, was teacher. Let that sink in. We're going to look at Luke 24, and I want us to read together, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. This is uh, after the crucifixion of Jesus, and evidently it's on... Uh, it appears to be, well, it doesn't really give us a time frame, uh, but it sounds like it's Sunday. Now that same day, well, there it is, that same day, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talk and discuss these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, called Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there these days? He's just going along with them and, and he says, Haven't you heard these things? Well, tell me about these things. What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was come, going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see. He said to them, this is Jesus, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them that, he, that what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. I've got to go. This is, this is where we split up. <laughs> but they urged him strongly. They were hospitable. Stay with us. Spend the night at our place. 
That's what you did in those days when you were hospitable. You opened your house for people to spend the night. Didn't have a lot of hotels. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, "Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us?" Let's go to God in prayer. God, we do pray now that your spirit would move through your word. We've sung today that the spirit moves, and we ask that your spirit moves as you opened up, open up to us the revelation of your heart and your mind and your will to us through the Bible and about Jesus. And we pray, God, that uh, the words that I speak now, you would use them simply as a tool to accomplish your desires for the hearts of each one of us here. pray in Jesus' name, amen. We want to talk about Jesus being a teacher. We talk about even more you being a learner. I think I can tell, as I uh, might still be in college, I did go back to school and became a physician assistant, graduated at 51, so I, I was a college student. But it looks like the campus group is sitting over here. Am I right? Yeah, okay. So, were you wanting to clap? Was someone wanting to clap here? Well, don't just play with it. Do it. Just clap. There we go. All right. No, you lost your chance. Never mind. Uh, you're sitting now and you're thinking, man, I'm a student. I'm about to get out of here in a week and get away. Some of you, how many of you are graduating? Oh, congratulations. Uh, Uh, some of you are thinking, i got to come back, but I'm going to have some time off. Maybe you're not doing summer semester or trimester or quadrester, whatever they have now. And, uh, but you're going to get a break. And, but you're looking forward to that day when you don't have to study anymore. You don't have to be a learner anymore. And my question is to you is, will you, will you be a lifelong learner? Maybe not in your field of, of endeavor. I'm in the medical field now, and I graduated from Oklahoma Christian in 1979 with a degree in biblical studies. <laughs> Sister, I hear laughing at me at my degrees. Yeah, it's just like, how did that get to where you're at? You're going to end up maybe, you better be, you better be as a Christian, as a disciple, will you be a lifelong learner? Some of you are brand new Christians. You're like, man, I've learned so much. I about got it. Uh, you know, I think in another month or two or maybe a year from now, I'll have it all packed down like Steve Smith. Or even better, like Jeff Smith, you know. <laughs> You're figuring out what my relationship with Steve is like, aren't you? He's like, yeah, whatever, you know. You've just begun to taste what it is to be a learner as a new Christian. Will you be a lifelong learner? Because the thing that the followers of Jesus called him the most was teacher. When you quit being a learner... You've quit following Jesus. But there's a joy in learning, isn't there? 
there's our eyes are open to see things we've never seen before. Our hearts are open to feel and understand things we've never understood before. Will we continue to do that our whole life? That's what God wants us to be. You know, Jesus was presented to us as a teacher. In John chapter 1, verse 1, you don't have to go over there, but it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes down in verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and made his self known. What does that word mean? The word we read in Greek is not logos, is not just a word like letters put together in English. That word means the mind of God. It actually, into the Greek philosophers, meant that which sustains the universe, the meaning and understanding, the, the ultimate of philosophy was the word. And the universe was sustained by the word. Everything held together because of logos. And the Bible said that was Jesus. So Jesus is communicated to us as the understanding of God that comes to us through Jesus. Someone says, I just can't figure out, I don't understand about God. Uh, and, and maybe we've all been there at some point, or maybe you're there right now. I just can't figure out this God thing. But I like Jesus. I'm telling you, you're getting a glimpse at God when you see Jesus. Matter of fact, when you're trying to figure out God, look at Jesus. Back in Proverbs chapter 8, there's an interesting passage there. Proverbs goes through in the section, is, is, is the proverb, is the collector, author, collector of the Proverbs, as that came together, the teacher, uh, where he speaks of wisdom and it, as personified, as a person speaking about, I'm wisdom, and it's, and it's a woman. Wisdom is a woman. And of course, us guys, we look around, look at each other and go, yeah, it makes sense to be a woman instead of a man. You know? But this woman, wisdom, proclaims and says, says, you need to listen to me. You need to fear God and come to understanding. And then there's a section through chapter 8 that says, I was there at creation. I was there, I was there before any of this happened. Wisdom, I was there. And it speaks almost, you can almost take it as if like wisdom got created. But then you're saying, well, if God's eternal, that means he wasn't wise until he created wisdom. No, that doesn't make sense. So it's not saying that, that suddenly there had a beginning to wisdom, but it says when, when creation came, I was there. I think that's a hint of Jesus. That he, that wisdom was there with the Father and that that's the understanding of God and what creation is all about was there. And that word, according to John, became flesh and dwelt among us and he became a man that walked around in Israel for publicly teaching about three years. And people at the end were calling him teacher because he taught them what, and Jesus can do that for us. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Think about that. I'm not going to, you don't have to answer out. But. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? I always, I remember my dad, that was one little definition my dad taught when I was young. The difference between wisdom and knowledge is wisdom is the application of knowledge. You know facts to be true, but you figure out how to properly apply those to life that makes sense. That's wisdom. That's why James says, 
We need to pray for wisdom. So I don't want to pray for sometimes. Pray for wisdom. Help me figure this out, God, through you, how you see things. And help me turn to Jesus to see it. Luke 24 says something here. Um, I'm buried under my Greek papyri here. Luke 24 tells this story. This is the last story in the gospel of Luke before his ascension into heaven. So this is a good question to ask yourself when you're reading through the gospels. Of all the things, did the spirit inspire Luke to write this story last? Why is this here? Of all the things he could have said, it just chronologically is the last thing that happened. No, we know it's not. This is on Sunday. And later on, Jesus is, is ascended into heaven. And that's, that's uh, 40 days later that he ascends into heaven. So there's a lot of things that could have been written about. Uh, Matthew didn't write about the ascension. He ended the, uh, his account with what? The Great Commission. But that wasn't the ascension. So things happened after Jesus issued the Great Commission. Mark, well, let's say, well, Mark, how'd he end his gospel? Huh? I'm sorry, Mike. It's debatable. It's very likely that he, what he ended, because there's a section there that it's likely that was tacked on by people who go, hey, you can't end the gospel that way. So they ended, they ended something else. But the way it very likely ended by the writings of Mark was the women... We're at the, at the tomb. The tomb was empty. They talked to the angels, and it says they left afraid and didn't tell anybody. The end. You can see why. It's like, well, no, 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 wait a second. Let's, let's rewrite this. So they attacked it. But there's, my point is today, before I get off into many, many rabbit holes, is that it's a different ending than Luke. How did John end? He restored Peter. Remember that story? That's the end of John's gospel. But Luke ended it with this story. Why? Luke is a, uh, one of the themes that runs through Luke is being on a journey. In fact, if uh, the biggest part of Luke, from Luke chapter 9 through the end, is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Then Acts, if you pick up Luke part 2, Acts is what? From Jerusalem to Paul's journey to Rome. Okay, so you got this theme of journey here. Jesus to Jerusalem, and then the disciples from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, to Rome. And here you got this little story at the end of Luke about two men who are on a journey. So did this happen? Yeah, I believe this happened. But I think it's, it's saying, this is the walk of the disciples. Right here is the walk of people. In the relationship with Jesus. How are you going to make it good? Now they're walking along and they're saying, this is confusing to us. What's happened here? We thought Jesus was a good man, appointed by God. And we thought he was going to be our salvation. The leaders killed him. They killed our dreams. That's why it says their heads were low. Now, these are people, it says there, they were kept from seeing Jesus. 
Do you ever, do you ever look in life, and, and now we can do this in an arrogant way, and I don't mean this to be arrogant or prideful, but you ever look at people and you kind of shake your head and you go, why can't they see? What's wrong with their life? I mean, it, it very well could be me. It was me, or sometimes it is me. But we just, why, why can't people see? And maybe, maybe you are, you haven't decided to really follow Jesus. And you, you're like, and you're, I'm having trouble figuring this out. I don't see what these guys, I like these people. They're good friends. They're kind to me. They're kind of nutty when it comes to this religious thing. I just, I just don't quite see what they see. And we find our, play, we, we find our time in life, and I'll tell you who sees it, what happens, this happens a lot, is our kids. Our kids grow up, and they don't see it the way we did. We sold houses, and we moved here, and we did this, and we did that, and we did stupid, crazy Christians, and they're going, Mom and Dad are weird. Sometimes we're kept from seeing. So here's the question. Well, let me take that one step further. Let's talk about ourselves as Christians. Sometimes, we, yeah, I'm a Christian, I want to be a Christian, but I just can't figure out why I struggle the way I do. I can't, I can't figure out why I'm struggling with my faith. I can't figure out why this is such a problem. I can't, why can't I get over this? Why can't I get over my faithlessness? Why can't I get over my, my lack of, uh, of putting the kingdom first? You know, I hear what Dante did. What an idiot. Why would never do something like that? Why would someone make decisions like, why do people, why, 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 why? I just, I have trouble seeing. Why is it sometimes as Christians, our eyes are closed? We're on our journey and we can't see. The answer's here. The answer's in this passage. The answer here is for, for really all disciples of all time in our journey to understand what's going on with Jesus. When our eyes are closed. They're going along here, and Jesus says, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? Everybody in Jerusalem's talking about this. Jesus was crucified. They say, we just don't understand. And in addition to that, some of our women, let's talk about that. Our women. One of those women was likely Mary, Cleopas' wife. Cleopas is there, and we see over in the other Gospels, one of the Marys, was the wife of Cleopas. So here's a husband going, some of our women, maybe my wife was included, they went and saw, and they came back with this crazy report. So we had to check it out, and we had to send the men over to make sure. Because we, we needed to mansplain uh, what the situation was. Girls, it's been going on a long time. It still goes on. I was in a meeting yesterday, and I was at a, a meeting for work, and there were like three of us guys, and there were 30 women. And we broke up into groups, and then, you know, they were supposed to talk about something, and then they'd go around, and a spokesman would, would say, this is what our group said. And uh, one of the groups came around, and one of the women said, here's what we came to a conclusion of. And the guy in the group goes... 
he says, he speaks up and he says the exact same thing that she just said. Said the exact same thing. And I just said, you're nuts. You're crazy. <laughs> Number one, count the bodies in the room right here, right now. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, another rabbit hole for another time. But these, these, these Cleopas and his friend, they, we went, and the men, the men said, yeah, the, the, it was empty, but then they didn't see any angels. Isn't that interesting that the women got to see, they got to be the witnesses. God's like, eh, they'll get humble eventually. And, and, and they said, we just can't, we can't quite understand what's going on. Then Jesus just, he brings that forward in verse 25. He says, how foolish you are. Hmm. We've, we've tried to, as a, as a fellowship, to be kinder and nicer <laughs> and get away from, you, Jimmy, you fool, you know. That's, that's not good. But Jesus could do that. He could look, and you can imagine it's just going right through their hearts like, what? I'm just trying to be sincere, and you're calling me foolish. And how slow of heart. What? I lack faith. I'm, I'm not quick to understand. I'm not as brilliant spiritually as I think I am. And he says, don't you realize this is the way it had to be. That's the key. Their eyes were closed because they continued it was supposed to be. So much so that they reflect back and they, and they said they were sitting there listening. He says, our hearts were burning with what he said. Have you ever had that experience? You ever had that experience that the word of God, and when you look back and you think about it, the person he was studying with, it's not because they were the best ultimate teacher of all time. It's just that the word of God, the knowledge of God, the teachings about Jesus were open to you, and it just burned in your heart. You're like, yes, this is it. This is right. This is what life is all about. This is what it is to admit I'm a sinner and how much I need his forgiveness. This is how it had to be. And then, when they sat down to a mundane thing, an evening meal, and they broke bread, they went, ding. That's Jesus. He did this before. And suddenly they understood. And they went back and said, we've seen him. He's risen. This is how faith built in that little beginning community, witness by witness, until 40 days later when during that time he uh, appeared to 500 at the time. He appeared to James. He appeared to Peter. Later on, he appeared to Paul as someone born in an unusual way. He, what he's saying there is, I was a witness of the resurrection, not like those other guys. They weren't believers. He had to knock me down and blind me for me to come to see we came to see the resurrection. We came to see this is the way it had to be. So when we talk about being learners for the rest of our lives, what are we talking about doing? We're talking about recognizing when our eyes are closed, when we're having trouble, when we're struggling, that we got to see Jesus in the way it had to be. We, we do resist as Christians. We, res- we wish... We wish that there could be Jesus and following Jesus with a little more mixture of the world in. A little more mixture of, of uh, 
of uh, being of, of having the pride that and and uh, exultation that come from the world, or maybe the money or things that come from the world, like like many of us lack much, anyways. But we think, you know, yeah, I have plenty, but if I wasn't a Christian, I could have a lot more. Any of you think that? You, well, I know you could. So I look at some of you, and I know you what you've given up, and you could have a lot more things if you weren't a Christian. And Jesus says, follow me. This is the way it has to be, whatever that means for you. And if you do, then our eyes are open. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And then our hearts burn. We go, yeah, this is right. This is the way it should be. So when we talk about being a learner the rest of our lives, what we need to ask ourselves, when we struggle or at any time, anytime when we're learning, are we learning more about Jesus? I'll tell you what learning is not about. It's not about learning new things. It's not learning about new cool stuff, ways to learn. Matter of fact, watch out. Guard your hearts. Let me give you an example. The learning that we, we go after and we come to should bring us to Jesus. It should bring us to Jesus. And if it's not bringing us closer to Jesus then there's something wrong here. There's a tendency sometimes, this has gone through the many years, but it's actually hit our fellowship sometimes, where people start to think, you know, there's a lot of neat things to learn about in the Old Testament. And I think to be a, a, a better Christian, I need to be more, a little more Jewish. You know, I need to take on uh, things they did uh, with uh, the Sabbath and, and honoring things and honoring kosher eating and foods and things like that. For some reason, that kind of takes hold sometimes. And like I said, it's actually done that among some of our brothers along. Because stop and think, does that take you closer to Jesus? Or is it taking you away from Jesus? That's the great test about anything. And you, and, and you say, well, yeah, we want to avoid that kind of stuff. You know, we can do the same thing with discipleship. We can talk about being disciples and what it is to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to read your Bible and be a disciple is to evangelize and be a disciple is to come together with the body. Where is the part about Jesus? Sometimes I feel we've turned being a disciple into a technical term about being a disciple. How about we say we're followers of Jesus? That's, that's what it is. Anything with our human nature can pull away from a focus on Jesus. If you're struggling, get your eyes back to Jesus. That's where the answer is. Because that is what allows us to see and our eyes to be opened. And then we can see what God's true intention for our life. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I'm grateful that Jeff asked me to be here today. I told Minor, you'll know when I'm done because I'll close my Bible and get off the stage. And <laughs> that's what I'm going to do right now. Thank you. <laughs>